Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the Go 24-7 podcast, a recruiting spin today. So if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that like, subscribe button, or if you're listening wherever you get your podcast, make sure to follow and set up those notifications. Sonny Ship, alongside, my name is Bryce Kuhn, and Sonny, man, we're we're getting ready for high school football to officially kick off uh, here in, in the next couple of days. Um, you know, it's going to be really exciting to watch a lot of these guys, but recruiting on LSU's front had a nice little end to the month of July, early August. LSU obviously got good news with Caden Durham committing, Colin Simmons choosing to go to Texas. We're going to touch on that. But uh, overall, we, I think we got to start off here. We talked a lot about it on the board. The conversations have been had, but maybe you know, closer to a week out now of all this information. Is the Colin Simmons race officially over, in your opinion, or with Caden Durham? And don't forget about Dak Moore as well committing out of that 2025 group. Can they help recruit that, or do you feel like this is kind of a done deal and that LSU needs to set their sights elsewhere? Uh, well, I think when you look at it, uh, is there ever a done deal in in recruiting? I don't, uh, even you know until they sign on the dotted line, and then you have to worry about the you know the transfer portal and coaches slotting into DMs and all that stuff. But you know, I, I don't think it's over. I do think that you know, I do think that when when Colin Simmons when he made when he made his commitment, you look at the quote that that really, uh, you know, stood out to, I think, a lot of people, as he said, that, you know, he thought about his family and going to Texas put his family in the best position. So I, I think that's pretty telling right there of how strong, uh, you know, he is in that commitment to Texas, mm-hmm. knowing how much he puts into family with his younger brother and, and, and what he's dealing with and things of that nature. So I wouldn't say, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's completely over. Who knows what could happen? Sark could go four and eight this year, five and seven. The native, you know, people get restless. The boosters get restless and things like that. So, and I, I think LSU has a has a large uphill up, uh, you know, large hill to climb. Um, and, and they have such good relationships, you know, particularly uh, Sherman Wilson and his relationship that he has with Duncanville and with all the other prospects and stuff. LSU's going to always be around because of Caden Durham, DeCorian Moore is already committed. So there's all always going to be a strong LSU presence at Duncanville, whether it's coaches making their trips, you know, making their trips over there to go watch them on Friday nights, uh, whether it's going to be making visits there during the uh, recruiting period in November and December when coaches can get back out on the road. So they're always going to be in Colin Simmons ear to some extent, but I would say it's a, it's a steep hill to climb. Mm, steep hill and climb indeed. Uh, we talked about Caden Durham. It's kind of been talked a lot about. But when you look back at this DeCorian Moore commitment, I mean, to go ahead and land what is one of the top players of the 2025 class, what does it say to the work of Cortez Hankton and maybe this recruiting staff as a whole to go ahead and nab a guy that many feel like can be one of those elite playmakers, not only at just at LSU, but anywhere he might have gone? Yeah, and, and you know, an interesting note with Moore is uh, during the spring – he put out I, – I can't remember if it was a top five or what it was, but he had mentioned five schools, and LSU wasn't one of them that he had mentioned. Mm-hmm. But he – you know, he did follow up and say that he did plan on visiting LSU. So, obviously, that tells you where LSU was in a kind of – you know, in his pecking order and in his mind. But they got him on campus for the Bayou Splash July 28th. He stayed all, all through the weekend and left there with a totally different feel and a totally different vibe. He spent a lot of one-on-one time with Cortez Hankton while he was there. You had 
Caden Durham and Colin Simmons there. So you had that, you know, you had the home at Duncanville at a place that he can obviously see as his new home at LSU. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how his recruitment, you know, how it unwinds, how it shakes out over these next 18, 19 months, because you don't go into a state like Texas, grab the number one player, and then everything is just cut and dry. <laughs> you know, Texas, Texas A&M, TCU, Baylor, uh, all those guys, the big, the big boys over there, they're not just going to let him fly off to the wayside. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of – there's going to be a heated recruiting battle involved in this. Obviously, LSU holds on to Caden Durham. I think that that gives them – you know, that that will help them, um, you know, along with the process of more because you just have that – you know, you just have that LSU presence back at Duncanville. And so it's going to uh, – that's going to be an interesting battle to follow over these next 18, 19 months. And, you know, with Texas moving over, we saw it a little bit to a lesser degree with Texas A&M when they moved over to the SEC. Now with Texas moving over to the SEC, I think you're going to really see some some heated recruiting battles, not only between LSU and Texas now and LSU and Texas A&M, but I think really crossover, crossing over between the three of them. Yeah, especially as those matchups start to become more frequent starting in 2024. Obviously, you know, a big opportunity for, you know, kids that are maybe interested in Texas this season if they do make that trip to Tuscaloosa to watch Alabama play Texas and kind of get more familiarized with that Oklahoma as well. Uh, you talk about the state of Texas, and LSU's not quite done there either. They're trying to vie for the commitment of Blake Ivey and Sonny. Right now, the crystal ball predictions are not in the Tigers' favor. Three, in fact, including Steve Wiltfong with Texas A&M. Wanted to get some of your thoughts on where does LSU stand with Ivy ahead of his commitment? He's committing this weekend, August or August nineteenth. Where, where does this stand, and and how badly do you think LSU needs Blake Ivy? Well, he's another guy who was in town for that uh, for that Bayou Splash recruiting event, and uh, he left there, went to Texas A and M. I think it's been those two uh, been those two schools kind of at the top fighting for him the uh, the most here lately. And, uh, you know, since he visited for the Bayou Splash, heard some, you know, heard some positive reports on him and stuff. But you always had that heard that A&M chatter that, oh, he was an A&M lean. He was, you know, A&M was the team to beat. Uh, and then coming off, you know, here made some calls even uh, even this morning. And there's still some positive, uh, some positive vibes coming from the LSU side and coming on the coming on the LSU angle, and so I don't think it's as nearly as one sided as it may seem uh, with him, you know, uh, shut uh, shutting, you know, a, a case that's already closed down and he's headed to A and M. I think that you know, I think that if LSU and Brad Davis, obviously, we're recording this on a Thursday, so you got you know roughly around 48 hours or so before he make before he makes a decision, and I, I think that this is definitely. That uh, Davis has LSU deep in the woods on this one, and uh, you know now it's going to be a matter of okay, you know, can you come out? You know, can you pull a surprise? Can you, you know, can you uh, pull a number seven offensive tackle in the country on the composite? Although I think he's more of an interior guy, but still, you know, an impressive offensive lineman that uh, you know th- that really looks good on paper and that looks good on film too. We talked a lot about offensive line in this 2024 class. It's not something that LSU's necessarily gone heavy on. Uh, when you see this, how much of an impact would Ivy make in this class? You mentioned maybe more of an interior guy. How much would of an impact would it make if they can nab him and kind of secure? Would they be done there, or is that something they continue to look to add on? 
Well, I think you, uh, you know, he, he would be the fourth offensive lineman if he would jump on board. Uh, Weston Davis, a guy that's commi- who's committed to Texas A&M, you know, he's from right there in the Beaumont area. I think that he's uh, that he's someone else that, although he's committed to A&M, I think he's someone that you'll continue to see LSU pursue just because of, you know, where the staff felt that it was when he was getting ready to, or they felt that he was prepared to make a decision. A lot of, a lot of people thought he was headed to LSU. Of course he committed to Texas A&M instead. So I think he's a guy that you'll always have to kind of keep, uh, you know, keep there in the back of your mind too. But if they could get five, because, you know, going into it, I I had them, I had them needing five to six in this class. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that obviously could, could include the transfer portal, but looking at the, you know, looking at the roster, looking at some, some projections, that I've made, I've got them, uh, I have them with, a, I, I think it's 13, 13 offensive linemen uh, on scholarship after this season. And that puts you, you know, that puts you kind of right around that sweet spot that you want to be in, you know, 16 to 17. I, I think that, uh, you know, that that would help them get to that number right there. Yeah, and it kind of fits into the narrative that Brian Kelly talked about in the press conference yesterday about needing probably seven to eight guys that can play and allowing for some of those guys in that 13, you know, 16 range to be able to develop next year. You don't have to have them on the field next season. You can let some of those guys kind of of continue to develop. Um, Another name, Sonny, that we're going to continue to keep an eye on, and LSU fans really, and this is one that if you spend any time on our boards, you can tell how LSU fans feel about this one. It's Dominic McKinley, obviously an in-state product here um this is kind of where i sit and i'm going to let you talk on this but there seems to be from the fan base side of things maybe a little more desperation to get mckinley to commit after losing out on colin simmons do you feel that desperation maybe from the lsu staff to maybe now nab in mckinley or is this just you know continuing to try to build that relationship it does kind of feel like there does still need to be some work to be done before that september 1st commitment date yeah, two different positions. You know, Simmons, obviously, the outside linebacker, a Jack uh, McKinley, an inside guy. Uh, you know, I, I think when you have a five-star in your own backyard, that the importance is already there. You know, you know that you've got to take care of what's in your backyard first before you can go, you know, outside the state. Now, LSU had been mentioned with Simmons for so long to where I think from a fan base perspective that – you know, that his name may, uh, you know, may carry a little more weight. But I think when you look at the LSU staff, no, you know, it, it's, you know, hey, we wa- we wanted Colin Simmons. I don't think that LSU absolutely needed to get Colin Simmons just because of some mm-hmm. of the depth that they have at Jack linebacker, especially if Deshaun Womack, um, you know, ends up moving back to that air, back to that position like I think he's going to. But when you look at Dominic McKinley, he's in your state. He's an hour away from from uh, from your campus. He's in an area in Acadiana that that hasn't hasn't really had a lot of great LSU vibes of late. You had Derek mm-hmm. Williams who went to uh, who went to Texas last year. You had Danny um, oh man Danny Lewis uh, who was also from Westgate who chose Alabama over LSU. Of course, Walker Howard and Jack Besh they came to LSU. Didn't last, uh, you know, didn't last all that long and then both left. And so I think when you look at the Acadiana area has typically been an area that was very, very, uh, you know, very, very good to LSU. And so I think you really need to, you know, you've got to stop that bleeding. 
One, you've got to stop that bleeding. Two, you can't, you, you've got to do everything that you can when you have a five star at a position of need like that. You've got to do everything that you can to keep that guy in state. Obviously, uh, look, you know, we, we know how NIL opportunities are. There's only so many to go around with Colin Simmons choosing to go to Texas. And he racked up on NIL opportunities there. But guess what? That frees up a lot more for LSU to, to have at its disposal with a guy like Dominic McKinley. And mm-hmm. so with him being the lone uncommitted guy in the top 10 of the state, and if LSU can land him, that would give them nine out of the 10 with only Wardell Mack who committed to Florida uh, a few days ago. So like you had mentioned, a little bit of work to continue to do. I I feel that way as well. Um, And, you know, it's not an ideal situation. McKinley's on his fourth different defensive line coach who has recruited him to LSU. And it's been a year, (laughs) you know, not even really a year. So it's, uh, you know, there are some hurdles that LSU has to overcome there, but I do think that they can overcome them, that that it's not like they're insurmountable or anything like that. It's just a matter of overcoming them over these next two weeks. Before we move on to the recently released 2026 and taking a look at the in-state guys in Louisiana, I wanted to ask you this. And I threw this up with the board, and I think it pertains to what we're talking about right now. You know, I view the NIL as kind of, you know, if you have a, a bag of money. And, and, you know, for the for the purpose of this exercise, if you have $100 and one guy commands the whole 100 man, you're putting all of your eggs in one basket. Now, if you got four guys that you feel like can equal that value per se, and that's kind of getting into the analytical side of things, uh, at 25 apiece, it might be worth it to go after that. And so, obviously, look, we're not going to sit here and say that Colin Simmons isn't an extraordinary talent. Uh, he is. He's a very good football player. When you talk about LSU's NIL efforts, and we've mentioned this on the board, I wanted to get your thoughts on, is that how you feel like they're kind of conducting it, maybe being smart with maybe their allotted pool, whatever they, whatever that might be? Uh, and it might not be as big as other programs, but trying to figure out what's the best, maybe bang for your buck, maybe best value uh, out there. I'm not saying this is, you know, uh, bargain shoppers. LSU should not be a bargain shopper in this sense. Where do you kind of sit in the kind of, I guess, the logistical aspect of using and allotting your NIL money? I don't think it's just LSU. I think you can lump really, uh, you know, all the blue bloods into this category and look at it to where, you know, NFL teams have NFL teams. They have the luxury of having salary caps and, and you know, and limits on what they can and cannot spend. So the way that they have, the way that they attack things is, OK, a quarterback may have, you know, may have X amount of value for uh, for Tampa Bay. But over here in New Orleans, it doesn't have that same value because you have Drew Brees. And so I think that, you know, I think that coaching staffs in in college football now, when you talk about the big boys, that they've got to look at their roster and they've got to look at their needs and they've got, you know, and there are some positions that are going to have more value than other positions, which is going to mean some players are going to have more value than other players do. Some are going to cost more, you know, with NIL opportunities. Some are going, you're going to have to present them with a lot more options and show them, okay, this is where you could make, say, you know, whatever it is. And so you have to be able to lay all that stuff out. And you also, but you also have to have, you know, some concrete numbers that you can put at them because you can't, you know, you can't go to a to a Harold Perkins and say, look, you know, we've got 22 deals 
that we can strike up for you. He ain't worried about 22 deals. He's like, okay, what do those 22 deals add up to? And, and, and that's what kids and that's what anyone, you know what I mean? That's just what the, you know, that's, that's anyone who's out there trying to make a buck and who's got, you know, who, who needs money. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's the biggest thing, you know, because you see on boards, you see some people, you know, some posters will say, well, how come we didn't match? You know, mm. and talking about other, you know, and, and not just with Simmons, but other situations. Well, how come we didn't match? And you can't, you know, and, and you just can't assume that, you know, that a Wardell Mack, for instance, in, in that that LSU values him the same as as Florida does, because, you you know, you've got to look at Florida's depth chart. You've got to go in there and say, OK, how big of a splash is uh, is. Uh, Oh man, it's Napier, <laughs> Billy yeah. Boy. How, how big of a splash is Billy trying to make to get into Louisiana? You know, because mm-hmm. all that stuff, and and it's just where we are in college football now. It's become you know now that everything's on the table and stuff. You know, used to be you couldn't talk about this stuff, man. You mentioned the thought about money, and oh, you'd have other publishers wanting to try to get you fired for insinuating that they're cheating. It's like, dude, how long have you been doing this? You've been doing this for as long as I have, and you're honestly going to sit there and act like that they're not. Come on, man. You know, so I'm just glad, man. It's nice that you can actually now talk about it. You can speak about it. Player, you know, the recruits, the players, they're like, hey, yeah, I want to make money. I want to get paid. You know, not that, you know, not saying that it's going to be the determining factor for, you know, for an overwhelming majority or for even a lot of people out there. But it's going to play a factor, just like when you go to, you know, when you decide whether or not you want to work at company A or company B, guess what? How much money is going in your pocket is going to be a a big factor. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to factor in a little bit. No, that's exactly true. And look, you mentioned, too, um, you know, people who complain about the players having to do this. That's exact reason. And this is a whole nother podcast topic for a different day, but. It's the exact reason that we saw those teams leave the Pac-12. The Pac-12 could not, with the media rights deal, put physical numbers down in front of them. It was all kind of based off what they could do. And so, look, kids, you know, all the way from kids to administrators, they want to see physical dollar signs. And I think when you get down to that aspect and that truth, there's not too many people that are going to deny the fact that, hey, I feel more comfortable knowing that. So that's that, that was a great answer kind of detailing, you know, what kind of goes into the behind the scenes of being able to say, hey, here's what we have. How do we allot uh, that as well. But look, I'll tell you one thing. When you look at the future of recruiting in this state, we've talked a lot about, you know, kind of the here and now, the present, the next couple of weeks. 2026, uh, Sonny, seven guys in the state of Louisiana ranked in the top 100 out of this class. Uh, you got one guy smack dab, t- uh, two of the three guys smack dab here in Baton Rouge. Uh, Lamar Brown, that offensive tackle, probably, I mean, he's got a chance to be the number one player in the class if he continues to trend the way he does. The way he does, Jakeem Stewart, Sonny, this rankings came out this week. Wanted to get some of your thoughts on this. And, man, how pivotal is LSU to continue the run that they've been on on in-state recruiting uh, to continue that in 2025, but also this 2026 class as well? Yeah, this twenty this 2026 class is going to uh, – it's going to be a nice bridge for – some old folks like myself and some of the uh, some of the youngsters who are just now getting into recruiting, because you're going to hear a lot of uh, you're going to hear a lot of comparisons to that class back in the early 2000s, right at when Nick Saban got here. That had a Marcus Spears, Marquise Hill, 
uh, Andrew Whitworth, Rudy Nicewanger. You go down the list of the. You go down the list of guys who went on, who helped LSU win a national champ, championship. Also, uh, spent a ton of time in the NFL. Then you had the 2011 class that had Lyle Collins, Jeremy Hill, Kenny Hilliard, you know, all those guys. It was just a really, really strong, super strong class on paper. Anthony Johnson, you know, five-star defensive tackle. Then you fast forward to 2014. You had the one with Leonard Fournette, Speedy Noel, Gerald Willis, all of those guys. A lot, a ton of hype on that class right there. Now that 2026 class, you're going to see that kind of height. You're going to because you've got three of the you've got three players who are ranked in the top ten in the country, and then also ranked number one at their respective positions. You've got Lamar Brown, the number one offensive tackle, who if he was a defense if, if you put him at defensive line, he's probably a top five defensive lineman, if not higher. Yeah. You know, Jakeem Stewart, he's number, he's uh, he's the number one rated defensive lineman. He's number four overall in the country. And then Blaine Bradford, number one safety in the country, who's number 10 overall. Seven in the top 100. Um, you know, and obviously a lot of things are going to change. You know, some of these kids may not stay in the top 100. Some other ones may jump into the top 100. But, you know, for comparison's sake, the uh, the 2024 class currently has two players from Louisiana inside the top 100, and the 2025 class only has one inside the top mm. 100 on 24-7 sports. So, you know, you've more than doubled the previous two years combined. So that, you know, that just gives you kind of kind of gives you a little bit of that shock and wow factor with it. When you look at this class, I remember Lamar Brown came to LSU this past year, this past summer, and they had him working a little defensive line. Do you? I mean, does he stick at tackle if he continues to put on this weight, or is this a guy that really could play defensive line? I mean, where do you see him kind of shaking out in that? I think he could. I mean, I actually like him a little better on the defensive line, and and mm-hmm. but I haven't seen you know maybe I haven't seen quite as much of him on the offensive line, but. I really like him on that side of the ball. And I think he could be, a, you know, if he's a power five difference maker, which I, th- I think he is, and I think his ranking says he is, he's a power five difference maker on the offensive side of the ball. I think he's a power five difference maker on the defensive side of the ball just as well, you know. Mm, mm. Another names on that list, coming at number four, Bryston Martinez out of East Ascension and Gonzalez, Jabari Mack out of Destrahan, Aiden Hall out of Edna Carr, New Orleans, and then a name that a lot of people are going to recognize, Darius McKinley. Um if Dominic does not commit to LSU, how does it affect the recruitment of Darius? I know it's still plenty of time out, but I mean, you you mentioned this. They made quite the push when Darius was on campus with Dominic, uh, already kind of building that relationship. But this is not one of those situations where you see, hey, uh, we're just going to talk to your brother. This kid's the real deal, and he's a great player as well. Yeah. I mean, who knows, man? In this day and age, say Dominic McKinley chooses to go to Oklahoma or Texas or somewhere. And now you're fast forward in two years down the road, man, trying to project, uh, you know, is a college player going to be at the same program for three years, much less two, man. I mean, uh, that's tough. That's tough. You know, I think it, I think if, if you look at everything, you know, and you say, okay, wherever Dominic, go, you know, would go, that he would be happy there and things like that. Obviously it would make it a little bit tougher on LSU, but, you know, mm-hmm. say he chooses somewhere and then in the back of his mind, he's like, man, I really wish I would have stayed home. 
You know what I mean? So you, it, it's kind of, you know, you, you, could, you could really play both sides of that. You know, you could put one foot on this side of the fence and one foot on that side of the fence. But, you know, um, unless we've got that Steve Wilfong crystal ball, I don't think we can see that well. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see quite that well. Uh, but, no, look, top seven in the 100, uh, top 100 right there. It's a class that's shaping up. And like you said, a lot can happen. I mean, this is 2026. You could see yeah. kids fall out. You could see come, some kids not even ranked right now just burst onto the scene. Uh, but, man, recruiting about to be obviously in full swing. Uh, high school football starting here very, very soon, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And a couple of names of note, um, as we release this, JoJo Stone going to be playing on ESPN tomorrow night in a highly touted matchup. Sonny, it's one of the few things that I wish I was back in the state of Georgia for. Carrollton against Langston Hughes on ESPN2. Going to be a fun game to watch. Encourage people to watch that. Future LSU wideout JoJo Stone in. Juju Lewis, the number one quarterback in that 2026 class as well. Very talented young man, um, too. So, Sonny, appreciate the time. Recruiting, as always. Last question for you. Any any names that we haven't heard of? I mean, I talked with Danny Okoye earlier this week. Any names that maybe LSU should, fans should keep their eye on uh, as the high school season starts to uh, unfold? I think you know when you when you look at the uncommitted guys. Obviously, you know we talked about Blake Ivy. Uh, Blake Ivy. Um, you go down the list. You've got Dominic McKinley. Kobe Black is. Uh, you know, there's some talk that he might be making a decision uh, pretty soon. A guy out of Texas, five star out of Texas. You've got Terry Bussey, who's going to be visiting in September, LSU officially, and then of course also taking an official to uh, Alabama, I believe. And so, you know, he's going to be another guy that you follow. But look, with 23 commitments on the board right now, you really don't have a ton of, you know, you really don't have a lot of open spots that you could go. You mentioned Danny Okoye, you know, that's one, Dominic McKinley. Uh, you know, there's some other, there's some committed guys that they're really going you know, that they're really in hot pursuit of mentioned Weston Davis, Gabriel Relaford out of uh, Evangel. He's another guy. And when's the last time that, that multiple guys in Louisiana who are committed to other schools don't play their way into the discussion with LSU offers when it comes along, yeah. you know, so, so guys are going to come along some other one, you know, there's going to be some, there's going to be a Trey Bradford out there who, you know, who pops up in January. So they'll give us plenty, but man, that 2025 and 2026 class, that's enough to, uh, that's enough to keep you uh, looking forward to the future right there. If you do think 2024 is almost in the bag, yeah, and I think that's a big reason why folks should be really excited about how Kelly lot really locked down this in-state talent, whether or not McKinley commits. Obviously, Wardell Mack going to Florida, but the way he did this kind of sets the stage for saying, hey, LSU, you're really going to have to come in and fight for guys to get them out of our state. And that was something really, really impressive as well. Another recruiting podcast in the books. We're going to have a weekly one during the season talking about visits, talking about anything and everything in between. A lot of news still to come as that. Make sure to keep an eye on those commitments. We talked about Blake Ivy this Saturday, Dominic McKinley on September the 1st. This has been another episode of the Go 24-7 podcast. We'll catch you next time. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you may get those.